Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Sacred Space Podcast. This is episode two of season two, and I'm thrilled that you're joining us for part two of a two-part conversation with Norm Stockton, my husband, who I am so honored and privileged to partner with in marriage, to partner with in ministry, and I wanted to have a conversation of what it looks like to be partners, partners in life, partners in ministry, partners in your calling. And it was an incredible conversation that took us a lot of different places. And so um, we didn't have enough time to cover everything in the first half. So this is the second half and we're picking up. We had started a conversation about trust, trust within the marital partnership and relationship. And now we're going to pivot to what it means to trust God as a couple and how that affects your relationship and your identity and all of the ups and downs that life brings. What does it look like to trust God at his word, to trust his provision and his presence? So I hope that you enjoy this episode. Sit back, relax, enjoy the rest of the conversation with Norm. Yeah. The trust thing that you said earlier, you know, I think that dynamic is definitely fully illuminated in terms of the Lord, because I think we have been able to make these steps of faith because God has proven himself faithful yeah. countless times yeah. in our 28 years together. And I think early on, we kind of concluded that the city of San Diego is not our provider. Yeah. The church where you were working is not our provider. Yeah. Maranatha music is not our provider. God uses those things, but you know, he can like the uh, minister in England who ran orphanages and they never shared their needs publicly ever. They'd be praying for the meal and, and they don't have anything to feed the kids, but they're all praying for the meal. And then the, there's a knock on the door and there's the food, right? So it, that's God's showing himself faithful regardless. And when things are looking bleak, then all of a sudden a call comes in and there's this thing, you know, that we didn't see coming. So that yeah. went all the way from the very beginning when we were wondering if you're going to be able to stay home when Carly, our eldest daughter, was born. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we were going to be $1,100 in the hole every month. And so I thought, well, you know, I'll, I'll get two jobs and we'll see how that goes. And then, but in fact, right around that time, my job track at the city of San Diego started morphing because there were reorganizations and suddenly I had this new job track and you were able to stay home during that season, which yeah. was just miraculous provision. So yeah. I think that there's certainly practical things to make it where you minimize how much potential conflict you're opening yourself up to with your spouse. You know, there are practical things like making sure that the communication is just absolutely flowing and, yeah. and you know, it's welcomed, you know, it's like, yeah. hey, let's talk about this. That's not to say that you and I have always agreed on everything, Yeah. you know, but that's completely, you know, if you have two thinking people, then, you know, if, if we see everything the same way all the time, then, uh, you know, that might not be good, right? Yeah. Because that means that we have the exact same perspective on everything. So, yeah. you know, you're able to to illuminate things when you're seeing things slightly differently than I am. And so that whole thing. But we're always able to talk through it. And I think that that is a critical part of this as well. Absolutely. You know? And, you know, I think 
too, we've both grown in our ability to do those things because, um, you know, we come from very different, you know, I, I love Brian and Linda. I, they did a, a thing on marriage for, a, a local church and in their talk, they talked about the, when you have two family cultures right. that collide, you know, we have very different family yeah. cultures. You know, I, parents weren't married. My dad was a lounge singer and an alcoholic. My mom was a cocktail waitress and an alcoholic. Uh, I grew up and my grandparents with my mom, who was a mess. And, you know, I grew up in bars watching my dad sing. And, you know, it was just a very weird, tumultuous kind of childhood. Now, thank God for my grandparents. I was well cared for and had, you know, my needs met. But there was a lot of emotional baggage and stuff. Survival of the fittest. Survival of the fittest. You know, you grew up in a house where your parents were married and loved each other. Your dad still referred to your mom as his bride up until he couldn't anymore. And, you know, three kids in Japan for much of that. So, but a very close knit family, Um, no sarcasm, you know, was allowed very strict kind of um, decorum in that, but also a very insulated family. You, you know, you guys, you didn't have a birthday party with more than family until I threw you one. So very different <laughs> contexts, right? right? And, and because of my upbringing, I had a lot of insecurity that I had to work through. I had a lot of stuff that I wrestled with. And then because of your background, you had different stuff. And so there's still the merging of those things and there's the growing and maturing as you, as you step into the different, the different things. And, and for us, we met on that worship team. So we met in ministry together. We met, you know, going and leading worship and doing all this stuff. And that's kind of who we were. So when we had kids and when you started doing Maranatha and some of that started shifting. So I wasn't with you everywhere. Right. I really had to, that was really hard for me because my identity had been, had just gotten, yeah, yeah, my identity just got wrapped up in leading worship and what I, and this is, this is a, a, a danger for believers in general. When what we do for God starts to replace our relationship with yes. him, that becomes a dangerous thing, but it's so easy, especially for those who um, maybe come from a more insecure upbringing, or if you're into Enneagram, if you're a two or, you know, whatever the case may be, you know, you can, you can go, go, go and serve, serve, serve to, to fill you up and to make you feel like you, you're worthy to even be here. Right. And so, so much of my identity and then my identity as, as for us as a couple was in that. And then suddenly you were off, you know, lean worship, all these different places and doing all this fun stuff and traveling. And I'm home being a mom, super insecure of my ability to be a mom because of my upbringing. So we needed to learn how to do that. I needed to learn how to confront my own insecurities and not lay all my garbage on you, you know, you needed to learn how to be patient with me and to encourage me. And you probably had to do more encouraging and affirming and whatever than maybe some would, you know, mm. in that situation. And so there's there. And that was a super, yeah, that, that was a, 
a challenging time, especially for you, because that yeah. uh, for what you were saying. And but that was that was a critical time for us to have been on the same page about yeah, it, right? Absolutely. Because me being on out doing what I was doing was absolutely dependent upon you having my back. And yeah. and so that was like um, kind of rubber meets the road, you know. Yeah, we've we're on the same page, awesome. And then this is you know, the edit and all of right. a sudden I'm out, you know, on the East coast somewhere and you're home with our two young daughters and struggling, you know, and struggling yeah. and feeling like you're doing what I want to do. Yeah. You're doing what I feel called to do. And this isn't a season that I can do that. Yeah. You know, so, and, and what the Lord did with me in that time was pull me back to go, I don't need your gift. I need your, I just want you. <laughs> for someone who doesn't feel worthy, that's hard to swallow. It's hard to be okay with just being here in my own skin. And that supposedly is Identity, enough. Huh? Dude, <laughs> it's gnarly. And so I was on this journey of the Lord bringing me back to him and go, yes, I've gifted you. And yes, I've given you that, but I don't need that. I just, I want you to be Mary. I want you to sit at my feet. I want you to hang out with me. And let's do this together, you know, and that was a, that was a process. And that was a lot of surrender and letting go and not letting jealousy and envy start to set up camp in my heart and my mind. Um, I talk a lot uh, in prayer training about identity and, and ministry and, and connection with the Lord and, you know, the verse in uh, Corinthians that talks about, we, we always take the taking our thoughts captive part of the verse. Like, you know, I got to take my thoughts captive and I got to take my thoughts captive. And then we drive ourselves crazy trying to, you know, lasso our thoughts. Mm-hmm. And we don't ever go back to the verses, a couple of verses before that, that say, I've given you all the authority to pull down every stronghold and every high thing that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, taking every thought captive. And when Paul wrote that, he was talking about um, them preaching to the mindset and the strongholds where they were preaching, the place where they were. But it's also applicable to us, right? Because if we don't address the stronghold, then we're not ever going to be able to take the thought captive, right? So we need to deconstruct the things that we've allowed. Or another way to put that is let's not build them to begin with, (laughs) right? And so I had to work hard not to allow the construction of those strongholds to be set up in my heart and my mind. Yeah. Even though everything in me wanted to build those because it would have made me feel, you know, justified in my whatever I was feeling. But I worked hard not to let those things get set up. And God's grace, I think he wouldn't let me. He kept kind of coming in and disrupting and Luckily for me, I actually listened and would do that work. But there was a lot of opportunity for a lot of things to get wedged in. And I think there's, you're saying a mouthful. And that's one of the main takeaways I'm getting from that as well is that when you're feeling, uh, when one is feeling like they've been sidelined. Yeah. That can be really hard. And yet, 
in that process, God is doing big construction. Yeah. Critical construction, yep. right? Absolutely. And, and certainly that was the case with you. And that's been the case with me in various seasons. And I'm thinking also about, God, what is it, the phrase, you know, God is um, seldom early, but he's never late, you yeah. know, and, and that whole waiting on the Lord, you know, like actually waiting and it's like, okay, Lord, are we going to move to this next thing, you know, and he's like, no, wait, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, it's not time yet. And there were many times with you in your ministry where it's like, Lord, what is going on? You know, kind of wondering, both of us are kind of wondering, what what's the deal? You know, yeah. why are we, and we don't want to get into all the details, but suffice to say that there's there's times in your life where you're kind of like, why, why aren't we getting to this next step, you know? And and why am I going through this? Yeah. And this is probably going beyond the scope of what we're talking about today, but I think it, it's really relevant is that now we can look back and I can it's like almost like in an encyclopedic way, I can document how he was instilling things in you and teaching things that are allowing you to yeah. do what you do today. Yeah. Absolutely. That you would not have any idea about had you not gone through the fire, right? Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. So it's kind of like I think that that whole trust thing again, right? Yeah. It's like when when you're in the midst of it and you're wondering why, Lord, why, Lord, why? Sometimes he will answer that overtly and sometimes, many times he won't. Yeah. And it's just like, all he's really saying is trust me. Yeah. Well, and, you know, it's interesting because, you know, we've been in a season recently of just hard, a lot of hard stuff with, like my, like you said, my dad, your daughter Jackie, like um, finances. I mean, just a lot of different things, starting a new ministry, just there's a lot of big things right. that we've been juggling and and like I said, we've been in the most dependent season I think we've ever been in the 28, almost 28 years we've been married. And the Lord's been really, well, first of all, he's provides miraculously, right. even in the hardest things. But sometimes we get so, so set on looking ahead, trying to find when this is going to be over that we miss the provision that's right in front of us. Yeah. And... I was just pondering and praying through provision a couple of weeks ago, and you, you know, got a lot of alliteration there. I sorry, <laughs> <laughs> wasn't I? Sorry, um, but just that you know, we're 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 kind of like I want the promised land, and we're kind of looking over everybody's head and pointing, you know, like I want that. I want the abundant provision over there. I want the promised land, and and yes, the the provision in the promised land is abundant. Like it's the land flowing with milk and honey. So we all want that, right? But the provision in the desert, there is provision in the desert. It's just exactly what you need right? when you need it and no more, which creates... And by the way, that provision is not... We're not just talking monetary. No. It's, it's you know, hope. It's and, hope. It's, it's community. It's yeah. relationships. It's, it's all of those things. And in, in the desert, in Israel, it was, it was manna. It was their shoes and their clothes not running out, yeah. not wearing out. It was a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of smoke by day. It was water coming out of a rock after it's been struck. It, it was 
it was also where the miraculous was. Right. Yeah. Like there are more miracles in the desert because only a miracle is going to bring that kind of provision. Right. Right. And so there's, there's something about that surrender and that resting exactly where you are with God and allowing yourself to see and receive how present he is right here, right now, and not missing it because I'm so concerned with when I'm going to get out of it. And that's something that he has been demonstrating in spades. And the other thing that has been so powerful to watch too, is that his provision goes out ahead of us, right? That even before we get there, he's already gone before us. And so we've had situations recently with little things and with big things that like, oh my gosh, like he, or he knew like (laughs) all over the place. Right. And it's, it's profound. And when you can do that, when you can be in a marriage partnership that the two of you can hold hands and see that and celebrate that together and, and cry together and go, this sucks, but we're here with each other or whatever the case may be. There's something profound, like marriage is a powerful, miraculous partnership when partnered with each other and with Jesus. And it's such a demonstration of the kingdom. Yeah. When, when we're willing. And I think that none of nothing that you just described is, is easy or really it comes natural to the, yeah, to human beings. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it is, it is, it's a faith walk in a very concrete sense, if that makes any sense. And, um, I think if there's anything that we've learned is that God meets you there and when you start seeing his track record behind you, hmm. it it bolsters your ability to take that next step. Absolutely. You know? Well, and that's why he kept telling Israel to, like, build altars of remembrance, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, um, in Psalm 37, you know, dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness, you know? It's like if we can stop ourselves when we're in that place of, maybe looking at uncertainty or looking at something that feels hopeless. If we can stop and take a moment with our spouse and go, okay, let's just recount for a minute. Yeah. What God's done. And it shifts our perspective and it realigns us. You know, that's something that I just thought of too, that um, in terms of that partnership thing too, one awesome thing is that we don't both need to be completely in a great place. There many times one of us is lacking hope and the other of us is like, no, no, no. You know? Yeah. yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And so we're kind of, we can, we have each other's backs, you know? Yeah. And, and that I think is a huge gift and, and by God's design. Absolutely. Absolutely. When you are in a place where you don't have faith, then I can be in a place where I have faith for both of us or vice versa. Yeah. That's happened a bunch, right? That's happened a bunch. And that's the Lord too, right? You know, um, it's, it's powerful. So what's interesting is I feel like oftentimes 
women greatly underestimate the influence they have in a marriage and the power of what they do or don't do, what they say or don't say, and what, and the effect that that has on their husband. For you, you can't speak for all men, but I mm-hmm. think there is a little bit of generalization. Like, what what is it that I have done or can do that provide you with that confidence and trust and uh, assurance and really the foundation so that you can go be what God created you to be and do what God created you to do? Yeah, that's that's pretty huge. I think the biggest thing is your encouragement and belief slash support of me and your confidence that I'm doing the right thing. Hmm. I've got my hand to the right plow and that I'm doing it well. Yeah. I think that it's difficult to quantify how much that helps me to do what I do. Yeah. If I'm out on the road and I'm thinking that you're thinking, yeah, Norm's gone again, you know, leaving me here for what, you know, oh, well, he, he likes to play music, you know? Yeah. And you know that you regularly tell me that this this is significant. You know, there's yeah. eternal significance to what I'm doing and the ministry aspect of what I'm doing. And, you know, I think that that is probably the most important thing. Yeah. You know? And I think you hit a nail on the head. I think that you don't just know that I actually tell you. Yeah. Because I, I think it's easy to underestimate how much absolutely verbal affirmation and encouragement and i'm proud of you and i'm thankful for you you're doing amazing you know just all those things are in fact i have a handful of people that i pour into right now and and one um is a woman and and she was talking a bit about that and how she was recognizing because she's a ministry so she spends all day encouraging people and Mm -hmm. pouring into people and her husband finally came to her and said i feel like you do that for everybody but I don't really get as much of that. And it like was such a wake up call for her because she's going, Oh, but of course, but I guess I kind of don't think I need to tell you, you know, like, and especially in ministry, you know, it's easy to like give all your best, pour it out to everybody else. And then when you get at home, you kind of forget, but in the same way that, you know, people that you're ministering to your kids or whatever need that affirmation that encouragement need to know that you are a champ you're you're the biggest cheerleader your husband or your wife needs that too needs yeah. to know that and and the same goes for me when i when when you you know listen to something or whether it's a podcast or a class or whatever and you say honey i'm proud of you the wind that that puts in my sails and the confidence that that builds is enormous and there's very few other people, if any, that can do that like you can because you're my husband, you're my partner. So I just think that's a super powerful thing that people shouldn't underestimate. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. that's enormous. And and that, that goes way beyond the scope of even what we're talking about today. You know, just yeah. that's that's just if you want to have a happy marriage. <laughs> yeah. You have to do that for each other. Period. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And not just and not just career or ministry wise, like 
you as a father, I mean, I'm constantly telling you, you're an amazing dad. Like you are an amazing dad. And sometimes it's the most important to say that when they're not feeling it. You know what I mean? When you're struggling, when parenting's hard and you're not sure what's going on and go, honey, you're, you're an amazing dad. And they, you know, the girls would be completely lost without you, who you are, exactly who you are, you know, yes, you're imperfect, but we both are. But just that constant affirmation is, is a big deal. Yeah. It's a really big deal. I, I think so. And this may be a weird thing to say. I think hand in hand with that is, I think it's really important to develop in your marriage, the ability to lovingly speak truth as well. Yeah. Um, and, and by the way, I'm not at all implying that what you, that encouragement isn't the truth because I, you know, Absolutely. I think we both mean that yes. when we say that. But at the same time, when we're talking about something and I ask you for your opinion, there have been many times that you've kind of said, well, yeah, I get what you're what you're trying to do. I'm not feeling that, you know, yeah. but but maybe what do you think about this? You know, and I think that is something that allows us to have trust. Right. Because yeah. now I now I know that if it was terrible, you would say so. Yeah. It's not hollow. It, you're actually, you know, I believe you when you tell me something, you know, yeah. and I think so that's, that's the thing. And I think the critical thing there is being able to say it in love, you know, yeah. instead of, you know, oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> is that, is that, oh, that, oh, you're serious, you know, <laughs> right. it's like, it's not that, right. but in love you can say, oh man, you know, I, I don't think that's as, as cool as some of the other stuff you've done, or that's not, I, that I'm not quite following what you're saying there, you know, kind of thing yeah. that allows you to be a sounding board that that can be trusted. Yeah, sounding board. That's good. That's good. So I just want to encourage young men and women as they step into, actually, you know what? Before they even <laughs> consider stepping into a marital relationship, um, do the work. Like invest in your spiritual health invest in your emotional health, make sure that you start growing as a healthy person, someone who has a healthy, intimate relationship with Jesus, someone who has a healthy relationship with other people so that you can step into a healthy relationship with your spouse so that you're not, um, either the husband or the wife letting your insecurities, uh, create this moment where you just abdicate to the other person yeah. And then put all of that inordinate pressure and weight on just one of yeah. one person's shoulders. Because that just is a recipe for disaster. Uh, it breeds bitterness. It breeds resentment. It breeds jealousy. It That's the best marriage advice in this whole program. <laughs> no, that's huge. <laughs> it's yeah. huge. Well, I, and the, th- the thing is, it's going to benefit not just your marriage. It's yeah. going to benefit you as a parent. It's mm-hmm. going to benefit you in your relationship with others. Um, if you can get to that place, you're going to be able, you're going to be quick to say, to ask for forgiveness, you're, to check yourself, to know when mm-hmm. you've been out of line and to be able to say, hey, and, and, you know, not just ask forgiveness from your spouse, if you've, but also your kids. Yeah. You know, huge, huge, huge. Um, it grows you to be able to be the same person behind closed doors as you are in front of people. Mm-hmm. Huge for people in ministry. It's a big deal. Yeah. And uh, it's critical. I would just say that 
marriage can be difficult, but it's worth the investment, the regular ongoing investment of time and energy. Obviously, you know, if you're married, you, you're nodding your head, you know, you have to attend to your marriage and invest yeah. in it. And it's, it's not a one-time thing. But I think that it's also a place that you can thrive. Yeah. And you don't hear that as much, you yeah. know. And so we're 28 years in. And despite the various challenges, you know, and, and like you were saying earlier, you know, we have experienced significant challenges and there have been some tough times, you know. And yet in the midst of that, I think we're thriving yeah. because we're on the same page and we're there for each other and yeah. we we are championing championing each other. Yeah. And I think that for anybody that's listening, there's nothing particular about us that allows us to thrive in marriage any more than the next person. Yeah. Other than regularly putting each other first and pursuing God individually and together yeah. with intentionality yeah. and you know, making it a priority, you know? And I can't imagine doing what I do without having you in my corner. And as you're forging this new path that you're on, I am absolutely invested in that as well. You know, we're, yeah. we're in this together. And so I, I'd say don't settle, you know, don't settle yeah. for just getting by. Yeah. You know, your marriage can thrive, especially with this area that we've been talking about today with calling and where that could be an area of potential conflict. It doesn't have to be. Yeah, that's good. It's good. Well, world famous Norm, thanks for being here. <laughs> I had a blast. Thank you for having me. This is fun. We need to do this more often. <laughs> yes, we should record our conversations. <laughs> we have a few. We have a few subjects that we could. Well, we could talk about. Maybe so. I can come back sometime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can you come back to the studio in our house a time or two? You think I'd you could do that? I'd love to. Well, whether you're single, dating, engaged, or married, I hope that this episode just brought you some encouragement. Encouragement in what marriage could be, what it looks like to have a partner, and maybe even could bring a little bit of healing and renewing and reorienting so that you can fully step into what God's called you to. If you happen to find yourself in an unequally yoked marriage, I would encourage you to go to season one, episode nine of Sacred Space, where I interview Brian and Linda Seitz, who have a ministry to marriages and who themselves walked seven years in an unequally yoked relationship. And they have so much wisdom and encouragement to bring. I really encourage you to listen to that episode. If you enjoyed this podcast and you want to help support the production of this podcast, as well as other projects by Stockton Ministries, would you consider making a donation? There's a link in the episode notes, or you can go to my website, GinaStockton.com and click the donate link in the upper right-hand corner. Thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate your time, but more importantly, I'm excited for God to meet you here, for him to bring transformation, revelation of his deep, deep love for you, and an invitation to just go deeper in intimacy with him in the sacred space. Take care.